When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the fighting men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command performance presented tonight as a special Christmas program for all the United Nations, and presented each week and every week till it's over, over there. Greetings from the USA to the AEF and to you folks in the Allied Nations as the American entertainment industry joins with the Special Service Division of the War Department in Los Angeles to close the second year of command performance and begin another year of serving you fighting men and women who serve the cause of freedom. This will be a year of command performance rolled into one star-packed night. This will be Hollywood running wild on a gigantic spree, a celebration with more stars than the greatest world premiere in the history of the movie capital. This will be super colossal. In fact, I might go so far as to say that this command performance should be fair to Midland. And uh, here to knock a few fast ones down the third base line is that struggling young comedian who sat up all night shooting craps with Santa Claus, Francis Langford's bodyguard in North Africa, Bob Hope. Thank you. Thank you. How do you do, fellas? This is Bob Christmas Command Performance Hope, wishing you servicemen all over the world a Merry Christmas and saying that the way you pistol-packing poppers are spread out, Hitler and Tojo will never get the let out. <laughs> Christmas, this is the time of the year all civilians go to restaurants, pick up the menus, look at the meat selections, and reminisce. <laughs> but the last few weeks, everybody's been busy shopping and sending presents to the boys overseas. Crosby's got a novel idea. Crosby's going to find a boy who's farthest away from the United States, and he's going to send him a wonderful gift, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I sent my uncle overseas a bottle of scotch. He's the hardest drinking man in the Army. In fact, he's the only man who was ever awarded the Order of the Purple Nose. <laughs> Do they laugh for me, too, Kay? <laughs> but Christmas in Hollywood... Christmas in Hollywood is really different. In California, Santa Claus doesn't come, come down the chimney with a bag. He just staggers around the patio with a blonde. And... <laughs> and this Christmas spirit of fellowship and goodwill has affected all the members of our armed forces. I saw a happy soldier walking to the post office with a package under his arm, and he was singing Sweet Adeline. I said, be careful, there may be an MP around. He said, who do you think I've got in the package? <laughs> But I'm happy because I finished my Christmas shopping this morning and I've been out all afternoon buying expensive price tags. I drove... 
I drove down to do my shopping, and I have a new system. I don't bother to look for a parking place anymore. As soon as I get near Hollywood Boulevard, I sell. <laughs> and with those stores crowded, going up in the elevator, I had to pinch my leg three times to see if it was mine. <laughs> my case comes up tomorrow. <laughs> little kid wouldn't get in the elevator. He didn't want to be a rising sun. But I'm... <laughs> More of a descending egg, isn't it, huh? <laughs> and I've never seen such crowds of people. One store was so crowded, they posted an hourly list of survivors. <laughs> there was such a mob of pickpocket asked me to breathe in so he could get his hand out of my pocket. <laughs> and I walked over to a man with a gray beard and said, Santa Claus, what do you think I'll get for Christmas? He said, don't stand to me. I came into the store three months ago for some razor blades. <laughs> what mobs? I wanted to stick a Christmas seal on a package, so I stuck out my tongue. Just then, the crowd gave a push. The next thing I knew, a cocker spaniel was licking my face and saying, well, don't act so surprised. You started it. <laughs> for my girl, an ermine rap. Well, not exactly ermine. It's really a brown rabbit that worried. <laughs> but enough of that. You guys have gathered around the old command performance Christmas tree and hung up your G.I. socks. And old Professor Kaiser is going to fill him up with the stuff that's made his band a top favorite of the AEF. Here's the gang that stood by you ever since command performance was a pup. Hey, Kaiser and the whole outfit playing St. James Infirmary Blues. <laughs>
wonderful. Thanks to the great fan of Kay Kaiser, who's here with a sprained ankle tonight, by the way. We'll bite into another chunk of that as the evening wears on. Well, gang, we've got a fella here tonight that you're always raving about in your letters to command performance. A lot of you argue that this boy is an institution in show business, but this being the jolly old Xmas tide, we're willing to settle it peacefully and agree because we sort of like this character ourselves. Fellas, a command performance for that at inimitable buffoon, that incomparable raconteur, that titillating thespian, Jimmy Durante. Sings the stork swoons. <laughs> Trouble is, the stork didn't swoon often enough. But, Jimmy, I heard that you dressed up as Santa Claus last Christmas. That's right, Robert. I suppose you stuck a pillow in your pants. Naturally. But would you believe it? Before the evening was over, the pillow split wide open and all the feathers came out. I bet you were very uncomfortable. On the contrary, Robert, I was tickled. <laughs> But climbing down all those dark chimneys, Jimmy, that's dangerous. I bet you were frightened. Frightened? Robert, I was putrefied. <laughs> putrefied? Jimmy, they lifted the dim out everywhere else. How come you're still in the dark? <laughs> you slipped that one in. <laughs> I wish I could pull it out right now. <laughs> Tell me more about your playing Santa Claus. Well, Robert, I even climbed down the chimney at Betty Grable's house. And there was a stocking, so I filled it up. You filled it up? Of course. What would you do? I'd hang around and wait for her to fill it up. <laughs> I got a million of them. <laughs> he had to say that when I'm at one. <laughs> then I left her house. You left her house? I climbed up the chimney. You climbed up the chimney? He reminds me of a parrot I once killed. <laughs> I get sent to my sled, but right away I have trouble with my reindeer. I yell, up, thunder, up, blitzen, up, thunder, up, blitzen, but they don't move. 
I go over to one reindeer and I whisper sweetly in his ear. He don't blink an eyelash. I whisper sweetly in the next reindeer's ear. He don't blink an eyelash. Then I whisper sweetly in the next reindeer's ear. And he don't blink an eyelash. Then understanding comes to me. What is it, Jimmy? A reindeer will only blink an eyelash at another reindeer. <laughs> well, without your reindeer, how'd you get there? Listen, Robert, I'm going to tell you. You know, I just got back to Hollywood today. And really, folks have got a lot to say. While I was there, I met President Will Hayes. And what he told me put me in a daze. Why, for days and days and days and days and days and days for a week. Everybody puts an extra note. I'll give you fifteen dollars. You show me that note in the music. He showed me the music. Too bad I can't read. <laughs> what a racket that leader's got with the stick. I wonder what he'd do with the stick if the band didn't show up. <laughs> Mr. Hayes says, Jimmy. Mr. Hayes says, Jimmy, you've been invited to entertain at the White House. He said it'll be a gather of the intelligentsia, the hoit polloi, the 400, the 300, the 200, the 100. That's when I walked in. <laughs> Mr. Hayes says, Jimmy, what do you do when you call the punch to entertain? I said, Mr. Hayes, what'll I do? Why, in the midst of festivities, I'll get up, I'll get up, and do my straightaway in my cutaway. It's just a hop away, a slide away, and a scram away. And then you get it right down, you go to town with a twist away. When you spread away, this way it's a holiday. You know, all over town, they're doing the Susie Q. Why, they did that dance years ago on the Rudy LaPoo. But not my straightaway in my cutaway. Why, it's a dance that's gonna gain great renown. You know, I walked into a drugstore. I walked into... I... Now tell me just what did you accomplish? <laughs> to a drugstore and I ordered a banana split with whipped cream. Went for nothing. A guy hit me on the head with a bottle and said, consider yourself launched. <laughs> well, I'm a gentleman. I apologize, but he wasn't satisfied. He demanded an autopsy. <laughs> so I up to him. I face with my right. I face with my left. I seize an opening. I'm flat on my back. <laughs> so what did I do? I did the crawl away, not the strut away. Did you ever have the feeling that you wanted to do? Just strut away, just hop away, just cram away. And then you skid right down and you go to town doing the strut away. Just cram away, just hop away. Hey, hey. Jimmy Durante, and may the Happy New Year be as slap-happy as the old one. Thanks, too, to the 370th Army Air Forces Band of the San Bernardino Air Service Command. Gentlemen of the AEF, a word to the Army. We do not here highlight one fighting outfit above another, but at this moment, your Christmas command performance takes you to Washington for a greeting from Army's Chief of Staff, 
General George C. Marshall. Christmas this year finds our army deployed in greatly increased strength throughout the world. An army of battle-tested veterans. Victories, some of them great victories, are constantly being won in the air, on the ground, and over the beaches of the Aleutians, the far Pacific and the Mediterranean. German industries and cities are being founded to a pulp. The German and Japanese air forces are being bled white with rapidly accumulating losses. However desperate the fighting or difficult the climate, however tragic the losses of fine, young American lives. Our opponents are suffering far more severely and suffering with the knowledge constantly before them of impending defeat and destruction. All America is filled with pride in the feats of the Army. The troops at home, inspired by what has been done in the field, are impatient to get into the fighting. Every resource we possess is being employed to hasten the victory. Wherever you are, especially you in lonely, isolated posts, this Christmas message goes to you with my heartfelt thanks, with my prayers for your success and safety, and with complete confidence in your soldierly determination to crash through every barrier and enemy to a triumphant test of our democracy and of our people. God bless you all. May your Christmas be a cheerful one. of American girls who have cut a niche on that G.I. Hall of Fame is a gal named Frances Langford. I know of a few hundred thousand of you who have said you'd never hope to meet a finer girl than Frances, and brother, you're on the beam with that sentiment. Fellas, a Christmas command performance for Frances Langford. Bob, and Christmas greetings, fellas. It's been customary during the last year to try and answer those swell letters you write to us on command performance, and I wouldn't want to break an old custom. So before doing the tune that I get the most requests for, I'm sending love to those BCOs in England, to the officers' mess at the RNAV station in Waipapakuri, New Zealand. And there's an Irish girl named Frances Daly at the Air Ministry in London who speaks pretty highly of you American boys, particularly one of you at 528. Hello to Joe... And Boots, and the eight Baldus gang at 948, including Sam, Mike, Joe, and Piper. And the private Vera L. Foy and 14 ATS girls in the military hospital in North Wales. And I don't mean working there either. They're casualties. This only hits a few spots on the mail route, but to the many of you we've learned to know by your handwriting and your APO numbers, may the new year bring you all home safely. And here's that number. <laughs> When the jungle shadows fall 
Like the tick-tick-tock of the stately clock As it stands against the wall Like the drip, drip, drip of the raindrops When the summer shower is through So a voice within me keeps repeating You, you, you Night and day You are the world Only you beneath the moon the sun, whether near me or far, it's no matter, darling, where you are, I think of you. You know, we got so many bands here tonight that if we had egg sandwiches, lager, beer, and ants, this command performance would be a musician's union picnic. <laughs> well, man, if you're ever in New York and feel up to a little high-class slum, and the place to go is Duffy's Tavern. At Duffy's, they have a choice of food anywhere from pig's feet to pig's knuckles and silverware from every depot restaurant in America. <laughs> the head cheese at Duffy's... Oh, pardon me. The head cheese at Duffy's is an amiable bartender named Archie who shakes up the King's English and week after week pours out one of the most popular radio shows in the nation. If my brother Jack wrote this, he'd be on the county in the morning. <laughs> but here he comes, full of Christmas cheer, Ed Archie Gardner, right here. Archie, tell me, this boss of yours, Duffy, is he as dumb as they say he is? He is dumb. Perish forbid. <laughs> he couldn't be. Uh, yet the guy has certain moments of lucidity, you know. <laughs> uh, take how he manages our ball team, the uh, D-A-A-I-Y. The D-A-A-I-Y? Yeah, Duffy's All-American Irish Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 
Duffy was the only guy with the brains that discovered one of the greatest two-headed pitchers that ever lived. A two-headed pitcher? A two-headed pitcher? Yeah, a two-headed pitcher. You see, uh, one day Duffy says to Dugan, the shortstop, he says, Dugan, uh, we got a great ball club here, but it lacks color. What's the answer, you see? So Dugan says, color, huh? He says, I don't know whether this is it or not, Duffy, but I think I know where I can lay my hands on a pitcher with two heads. You know? <laughs> So Duffy says a pitcher with two heads. I don't know, Dogan. You think it'd be a novelty? <laughs> so Dogan says, what if it ain't? Where can you get a guy that can watch first and third at the same time? <laughs> so Duffy says, yeah, that's an angle. Uh, <clears throat> he says, besides, he'd be a natural for double-headed. <laughs> So he says, what's the guy's name, Dogan? You know, so Dogan says, well, his real name is Tom and Arthur McGinnis, you know. But for some reason or other, he's called Two Top Gruskin. So Duffy says, Two Top, I wonder why they call him that, you know. So Dogan says, I don't know, maybe on account of the two heads, you know. So <laughs> Duffy says, what a funny nickname, you know. He says, where's the guy from? So Dogan says, he's from Walla Walla. <laughs> Did you actually see this two-headed pitcher yourself? You doubt my vivacity? <laughs> of course I've seen him. I've seen him the first night he comes into Duffy's Tavern, you know, all dressed up formal in a tuxedo, you know, sign a contract. So everybody in the joint stares at the guy, you know. Uh, so uh, uh, the two-headed guy turns to the crowd, you know, they're staring at him. He says, to him, he says what's the matter? None of you guys ever see a tuxedo before? <laughs> So, of course, Duffy's the diplomat, you know. He quick covers the embarrassment. He says, way to bring the gentleman two beers. <laughs> no? So he says, stick around, Two-Top. Uh, there's a masquerade tonight, <laughs> you know. A masquerade that we had. And funny thing, Bob, Two-Top wins first prize at the masquerade, you know. <laughs> Comes as a pair of bookends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with a little book between his two heads, you know, a little little book that his mother gave him called My Son, My Son. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, Duffy says to him, he says, Two top, uh, I'm a man of few words. Uh, report at the ballpark tomorrow morning. Uh, there's a uniform and two caps waiting for you in the locker room. <laughs> well, how did he get along in the ball club? Well, not so good. You see, the trouble starts in the first game. We got this catcher, Gorilla Hogan, you know, a natural born catcher, stands six feet, 14 inches high. <laughs> and he squats, standing up. <laughs> and it looks like he just stepped out of a jungle, you know, a veritable uh, gigantua, you know. <laughs> Sounds like a monstrosity. Yeah, swell fella. <laughs> Anyways, the trouble starts right away, you see. The gorilla signals for a fast trade, you see. So the two-headed guy nods one head yes and checks the other head no. <laughs> well, this naturally confuses the gorilla, you know. He ain't a bright guy anyhow. <laughs> Even for a gorilla. So uh, he makes a beeline for Duffy. So the gorilla says, Duffy, I'm getting sick and tired of nothing but two-headed pitches around here. See, so Duffy, you know, calms him down. He says, cool off, gorilla. Go out and talk things over with a guy. After all, three heads is better than one. (laughs) 
So the gorilla says it's no use, Duffy. You know, I just got a feeling that the guy ain't quite normal. <laughs> so he says, Duffy, uh, uh, I'm quitting. It's uh, either either him or me, you know. So choose. And don't forget who owns the baseball. <laughs> and that was two tops finish, huh? Yeah, it was just finish. And it was sad, you know, the way the lumps come up in his throats when... <laughs> Oh, and Duffy told him that he had to go. The guy really liked to play baseball, you know. <laughs> well, what's he doing now? Oh, he went back to his old job, uh, watching tennis matches for Pate News. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, Ed Gardner. And Command Performance swings the international range finders around next to pick up all APO and FPO numbers where Nelson Eddy is a solid favorite. Solid Eddy, we call him. Good cheer to a guy who scattered plenty of cheer around this past year, Nelson Eddy. Thank you, Bob, and hello, fellas. Along about this time of the year, the air is thick with New Year resolutions. Personally, I haven't caught up to my 1941 resolution. Of course, most resolutions are tough to keep, so... I'm going to make just one that'll be a cinch. Namely, to pop around to command performance and do my stuff whenever you guys cue me in with your letters. Tonight, we can't spend much time dropping letters in your post box because the line here is a mile long. But a quick load of Christmas greetings to all points of the GI compass and a howdy to a gang of Canadians in London, including Mac, Shrimp, Baldy, Slick, Eddie, Beautiful, and Jiggerbag. <laughs> And here's a song I put beneath your tree.
about the historic explosion of the volcano Krakatoa in 1883 when a whole island in the Sunda Strait blew up, scattering ashes across the entire earth. That was the loudest noise the world ever heard prior to Spike Jones and his city slicker. <laughs> but don't let him kid you, this outfit is a musical organization. The fact that Spike uses a washboard for certain tonal effects is merely a sign of the times. These kids are doing their own laundry. <laughs> Tonight, the city slickers have prepared their version of Chloe featuring Red Ingle and the Saliva Sisters, and if it goes good here, they're going to use it New Year's Eve when they headline the floor show at the Barber Stag Party. Command Performance presents Spike Jones and the City Slickers.
in every bat cave in the swamp. I hope that I'll never find you. She must be using vanishing cream. Jones and the City Slickers for that touch of French drama. Now, fellas, not a single day goes by that old Sam the mailman doesn't drop in with a satchel full of letters from you guys putting the bee on us for more and more of the music of Jenny Sims. Jenny has commuted back and forth between the movie set and command performance for the greater part of the last two years. And from a usually reliable source, in this case, La Belle Sims herself, she has already budgeted her time for 1944 to handle all future requests. Greetings to Jenny Sims. Bob, hi, fellas, and all of our love to all of you on this Christmas occasion. My greeting card, by way of command performance, goes to all APO and FTO numbers from the China Coast to the Gold Coast of Africa. But I'll post a couple of extra greetings right now to Nernblatt, Sarge Saunders, and the RAF gang at Dorset. That's Red Nun, Old Bill Whitlock, Algie O'Neill, Dan Fowler, and Snowball Shingles. And over in Blackpool Lane, AF Crew says... After we win the war, I'm coming to America to visit the stars. But meantime, keep me going with command performance. Our best to Chester Dennis in that weather station way out on the African desert. And love from the gang at home to Sarge Benny Rays somewhere in the South Pacific. And fellas, how about this? Dennis Riding, a British inf- infantryman, is in Ward 1 at the hospital in Carluk, Scotland. And he says, I'm back from the fighting in Tunisia and... Maybe I shouldn't make a request because I'm really not overseas now. Well, Dennis, every word and every song are for men like you. But, fellas, time's wasting now, so with a wish for a happier new year for all of you, here's one of your good old favorites, You'll Never Know.
if I tried, I still couldn't hide my love for you. You got to know, for heaven I told you so. Americans said, without a decisive naval force, we can do nothing definite, but with it we can do everything honorable and glorious. Well, in that book of victory of the armed forces, Navy is writing a glorious chapter. And it's our privilege on this Christmas occasion to bring to you men and women of our first line of defense, the voice of Navy's chief. We take you to Washington and the Secretary of the Navy, Mr. Frank Knox. Today we observe the birth of the Prince of Peace in a war-torn world. That cannot help but seem a travesty on the meaning of the day. Our comfort and inspiration is that this world is one year nearer to the preservations of the principles taught by the Master. Since I cannot personally greet each man and woman in the United States Army, Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard, I take this method of wishing you well and expressing my hope that all of you will have a successful year to come. We are joined in a struggle against evil forces, forces that challenged our right to try to live as Christ taught. He lived and died that men might be free, 
and gave us the ideals of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Unfortunately, there arose to positions of power men who were ambitious to substitute a philosophy of cruelty, force, and slavery for the ideals of charity, goodwill, and peace. To them, our way of life was a sign of weakness. They are beginning to find out how wrong they were. I know that many of you are observing Christmas in strange and unhomelike surroundings, with the sounds of battle in your ears, many more on ships at sea. Your thoughts are naturally turned back to a familiar street or farm or community here at home. I can assure you that all our thoughts are equally turned to you wherever you are. We are joined in spirit over thousands of miles. The months past have been hard ones, but for our cause, they have also been successful. Our losses have been great, but the enemy's losses have been infinitely greater. During the time since last Christmas, we have learned much in the coordination of efforts and the ability to work together with our allies. At the same time, builders at home have added hundreds of new ships and thousands of new planes and guns to make us stronger and more able to carry the tremendous task before us. We face what lies ahead with confidence, a confidence born of the knowledge that well-trained men and resolute women of the services are determined to end this struggle with victory in the shortest period of time. Although my brief words of greeting to you at this time can in no way substitute for the presence of those you love at home, I can speak for all the men, women, and children of this nation in expressing that trust and faith in your ability. The freedom-loving peoples of the earth are engaged in a struggle against tyranny and to liberate from bondage the millions who are snared by the chains of Nazi greed and brutal Japanese militarism. I wish you good hunting, in that fight. As individuals and as fighting units of the Army, Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard, a Merry Christmas to you and a fruitful and victorious New Year. Let your strength be in this thought that each move forward brings us all closer to the celebration of a peaceful and secure Christmas Day when this world of ours will be a better place in which to live. Well, gang, when it comes to four-part harmony tailored to fit the taste of the four branches of the armed forces... That aggregation familiar to all of you as the charioteer sort of rings the bell and wins the cigar. They've gotten to be quite a habit on command performance, singing everything from the old Methodist hymns to Pistol Pack and Mama. Reading from east to west, these lads are tenor... Wilfred Williams. Second tenor... Edward Jackson. Baritone... Ira Williams. Bass... Howard Daniels. Brother James Sherman on the 88 and the charioteers doing Ride, Red, Ride. Oh, 
the name of the song oh. is Right Red, Right Right Red. <laughs> Christmas show tonight has stuck closer to the command performance the past year than a sailor dancing with Betty Grable. I'm referring, I'm referring to that big name Kay Kaiser. Yes, sir, when it comes to playing the camps and those 20,000-mile bond tours, this Kaiser outfit has broken plenty of records, and I don't mean phonograph records. It's another command performance of one of your best-loved band leaders, picture and radio stars, and the swell guy, the old fest himself, Kay Kaiser. <laughs> Evening, folks. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Evening, Kay. Hi, y'all, and welcome y'all to command performance. Shut my mouth and clamp it down and shut my kiss up. <laughs> There's one command I'd like to perform. <laughs> Kay, I understand you just got back to Hollywood from another tour. Yes, sir, and Bob, I was so happy to be back in town, I kissed the sidewalk at Hollywood and Vine. <laughs> That's better than you usually do on Hollywood and Vine. <laughs> but I guess you'd like to hear the latest Hollywood gossip, Kate. Do you want to hear about Lana Turner and Betty Grable and Rita Hayworth? Sure do, boy. Tell me what's been going on. And do you want to hear about Gypsy Rose Lee? Yeah, tell me what's been going on, too. <laughs> hey, the latest news is about the pin in Dorothy Lamour's sarong. The pin in Dorothy Lamour's sarong? Yep, that pin has been declared undemocratic and an agent of the enemy. Well, what do you what do you mean, Bob? For years now, it's been carrying on a war of nerves against the American public. <laughs> Say, well, uh, tell me more about the gals, Bob. Just a minute, Kay. I don't see why you should be so interested in the glamour girls. Well, after all, a fisherman is interested in fish. <laughs> Not without Beatty ain't. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
better watch your step, Bob. Another crack like that, and He's I'll... telling t- me to watch my step. <laughs> Success went to your dog, old boy. Look at that. <laughs> you should see this mitten on Kay's right foot. Just read any line through there. It's all right. Say, you better watch your step, Bob uh, Hope. (laughs) You're about 50 pounds off, old boy. (laughs) You better watch your step, Bob Burns. Another crack like that, and I'll tell Crosby to leave you out of his next picture. (laughs) Now, listen, Pinky Tom. I mean, listen, (laughs) Kane. Let's keep that overgrown jockey out of this. But tell me, have you had any dates since you got back? Why, only last night I went out with a gal, but she gave me up. Well, why did she give you up? Well, she was a pistol-packing mama, and she wanted some live ammunition. (laughs) But, uh... But, Bob, I got someone here I want you to meet. Oh, uh, Ish, Ish Kabibble. Hello. Uh, this is Ish Kabibble. Yeah? Why don't you take your problem to Mr. Anthony? <laughs> Say, Bob, you don't seem to understand. This is Ishka Bibble. Well, tell him to go back and come in with his face towards us, will you? <laughs> Bob, his face is towards us. Then tell him to just go back, huh? <laughs> just a minute, Mr. Hope. I may not be very handsome, but I'll have you know I got an IQ at 22. Twenty-two, that's lower than a moron. Well, we can't all be as smart as you. I can't say anything. I have no more lines. (laughs) Well, I think they're both right. But, Ish, tell me, uh, why did you come out here? I came out here to tell a poem. Ish, I'll bet you don't even know what a poem is. Sure I do. A poem is something that ends with June, moon, spoon, and rumble seat. Rumble seat? You know a better place to spoon? Never mind, it's just read us your poem. All right, here's the poem. It's called The Night Before Christmas. And it's recited by a nut before New Year. <laughs> the Night Before Christmas. Twas the Christ before Nightmas and all how to through. Not a stretcher was creaching, not even a moose. <laughs> The hungings were trimmed by the stock he would tear. In nicks that St. Hopeless soon would be there. <laughs> then, house to the up tops, the reindeers all flew, with a sloy full of toys and St. Nicholas, too. <laughs> then I heard him explain as he drove out of sight, Merry Almas to Chris and to good and all night. <laughs> Uh, slight correction. Merry Christmas to all and a good night to each. And now, fellas, the whole gang's going to dish out a very special greetings to you all from us all. It's Sally Mason, Julie, Harry, Diane, Jack, and Max in Paper Dog.
be waiting. Oh, wait. She'll be the truest all in all this world. And say, gang, you know, all during this past year of command performance, we've been answering your commands for the familiar sounds of life here at home. You've asked us for crazy sounds, farm sounds, city sounds, and anything that seems to spell home to you. Lots of you have asked us to repeat them. So tonight we're going to do just that in a, in a kind of a one-act play. Now, just imagine that a guy named Private Joe Goose is sitting up there at a lonely outpost on the Arctic Circle. He gets to dreaming. Dreaming of his hometown, San Francisco, the Golden Gate, and that symphony of foghorns booming across the bay. You know, Joe used to travel a lot. He got to love trains. One thing he especially liked was the long, drawn-out whistle of the 20th Century Limited as she highballed it through the countryside. And, uh, old Joe kind of got around a little, too, you know. He made all the joints. The, um, Rainbow Room in Rockefeller Center, the Stevens in Chicago, the Brown Derby in Hollywood, Elmer Snodgrass's biggest beer for a dime joint in most any town. And sitting up there on the rim of the Arctic Circle, Joe says, Boy, mm, would I go for the barkeep mixing me up a long, tall bourbon and soda. And no Mickey, is it? And one, do one day, Joe gets a letter saying that baby Joe Jr. has arrived. Ah, that the baby weighs eight pounds, three ounces, and is well, little guy. And Joe would give anything just to hear the sound of that kid's voice. Especially he'd like to hear him crying. And Joe thinks... Hey, wouldn't it be nice for the baby to have little Johnny, that black uh, cocker spaniel, for company? And what about Johnny? Wouldn't it be good to hear that little dog bark again? 
You know, and that gets Joe to thinking of when he was a little kid. How he'd spend the summer up in the hills of Colorado. And he'd lean against the stanchion in the cow barn while his Uncle Gus milked the cows. Ah, uh, that was pretty music. Those two streams of milk hitting the bottom of that tin milk pail. <laughs> Get any on your butt? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, and Joe's mind wandered back to the present. And he wondered about Market Street in San Francisco. The Christmas lights on every lamppost from the ferry building out to the Market Street tunnel. For sure, there'd be a Santa Claus every few feet. Fat ones and skinny ones. Standing beside little buckets with the wire gratings over them. Help the needy. Help the poor. Help the needy. Help the poor. Help the needy. On this Christmas, with the United Nations theme rolling toward victory, command performance switches you to the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., for greetings from the Secretary of War, Henry L. Stimson. In the midst of war, the coming of Christmas has a very deep and special significance. Christmas becomes the symbol of our hope for the future of our nation and its people. Irresistibly, our thoughts turn to the men and women in uniform who will spend this Christian holy day far from their homes, many of them on the field of battle itself, striving to bring about the victory which will realize this Christian hope of a future peace. These thoughts are in my mind as I send you my greeting. Whatever and wherever your station, I know that you are performing with soldierly devotion the duty to which you have been assigned. And at this Christmas season, I wish to express to you my profound appreciation of your fidelity and achievements. You have accepted hardship and sacrifice with a rugged fortitude which recognizes that these are the necessary price of victory. Your heroic deeds have been an inspiration to millions of your countrymen. To the love which your families and friends hold for you has been added the gratitude of the nation. In this spirit, I send you my greetings. Throughout America, the light of Christmas burns brightly in remembrance of you and in prayers for your return. God grant that your hands may be strengthened to hasten the day of final victory. Upon you and your comrades in arms, the world depends for the restoration of Christmas Day as a symbol of peace on earth.
Well, fellas, if somebody asked us what's one of the nicest Christmas presents you could give to the AEF, as good an answer as any would be a gal named Dinah Shore. I never did know which came first, command performance or Dinah, but they've been together a mighty long time. Well, where you find the one, you're pretty sure to find the other, and judging from those letters you send in, that combination is really the money in your book. A Merry Christmas to one of your best-loved gals, Dinah Shore. And hi, fellas. This is Dinah. I sure wish we could all be sitting around a fireplace talking about nothing much in general. Just sitting there watching our memories keep themselves warm in the fire. But a few little items like Germany and Japan are standing in the way of all that. But it's working out, and that day will come. Meanwhile, if wishing and praying can do any good, and I believe they do, you'll have good luck and good health during the new year. And though I'd like right here and now to get around to such way stations as China, Alaska, England, Newfoundland, the Caribbean, Sicily, Italy, the South Pacific, and all the rest with a hug and a squeeze from your loved ones here at home, that'll have to wait, too. But there's no waiting on a song that you love with that wonderful Ken Darby chorus. I'd like to sing it for you now. Summertime.
thank you very much, Dinosaur. Fellas, we've got some hot news to slip in right about here, and it calls for a commentator with a nose for news. And this guy's nose has been making news for years. Dr. Luke Snoot Hope. <laughs> Doctor, would you honor us with a few words? God forbid. <laughs> Luke Snoot. Get the nose on an orchestra leader. He doesn't need a baton. Get a load of him, will you? <laughs> and now, fellas, I'd like to present a couple of men you all know. And it took a lot of us, uh, it took a lot of us to bring these two men together tonight. And it will probably take a lot more to pull them apart. Jack Benny and Fred Allen. <laughs> Stop bowing, Benny. Every time that gray head goes by, it reminds me of Barbara Fricci. <laughs> you are jealous, Fred, because I can bend without creaking. <laughs> well, Jack and Fred, it's good to see you back together for Christmas and not fighting. After all, two middle-aged men should watch their blood pressure. <laughs> Look who's talking, middle-aged men. Listen, Hope, your middle is aged more than ours. <laughs> That's just a figure of speech, really. Well, with a figure like yours, I wouldn't go around making speeches, mister. <laughs> Besides, Bob, you've got us all wrong. There was never any ill feeling between Jack and me. What are you talking about, Fred? I heard you say on the air one night that Benny squeezed the dollar bill so hard that Washington got buck teeth. <laughs> He did not, Bob. All he said was, I wouldn't pay a nickel to applaud a bubble dance with a hat pin. I, uh... Sounds as though Hope's writer wrote that for you. Yeah. No, I can't... No, you fellas have got the whole thing wrong. I merely said that Jack took the first buck he ever made, slapped it on his head, and had skin grafted over it. Every time he walks down Hollywood Boulevard on Dollar Day, his scalp twitches. <laughs> Bob, that was just a casual remark made in passing. There was no malice intended. Of course not. Hey, that's a straight line. What am I doing with that? <laughs> I'd settle for a line, but just a second, Jack. How about the time you said Fred's eyes looked like fly specks peeking over two ping pong balls? I've got the face, and you guys are doing all the mugging. I mean, I've... Jack never said that at all. All Jack said was that I looked as though Santa Claus had come down my nose and left a bag under each eye. I did not, Fred. Remember, I said you were the only civilian I know with a sad sack under each eye. <laughs> That's right, Jack, and I think that's one of the biggest laughs you have ever gotten on the air. Well, thank you, Freddy. That's the spirit. That's more like it, boys. What's more like it, son? <laughs> yes, we can straighten this out ourselves, Mr. Skelton. Oh. <laughs> Please, that's the Sinatra of my life. Please. <laughs> 
have a line coming up, Mr. Hope. That's you, though. All right, I'll give you the other line. Who asked you to squeeze toothpaste on these troubled waters? Well, I was only trying to be nice, but that's out of character for me. I'm going to get out of here. You two guys lean on each other. So long. Nice exit. <laughs> He, uh, he got a big hand there, didn't he? Yes, Jack. Uh, people were sure glad to see him go. <laughs> you know, J- Jack, is this the same program that Jimmy Durante was on? Is this the same program? I think still? so. I think so. It's supposed to be a Christmas program. I didn't think we'd get on till New Year's. <laughs> well, Fred, here we are, though. And am I happy to see you. Yes, Jack, here we are, and am I happy to see you. Gee, Fred, you're you're looking fine. Yeah, thanks, Jack. You're looking fine, too. Well, this can't last long, fellas. (laughs) Anyhow, Fred, welcome to California. Uh, What are you out here for? The orange picking season? (laughs) Well, I have been doing a little picking while I'm waiting to hear from Monogram. But I, I really came out here to make a picture, Jack. A picture? Good. You know, things have changed since you made your last picture, Fred. They talk now. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, uh, I talk a blue streak. I'm ready for Technicolor, if they <laughs> Well, I see you brought your... Now, wait a minute. That's my laugh. I know, I know. <laughs> I see you brought your famous wit over the Rockies with you. <laughs> By the way, where are you living, Fred? Well, I've only been here six weeks, Jack. I haven't gotten the room yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets pretty chilly here at night, Fred. Doesn't the cold bother you? No, I, I picked up an old Indian blanket at Albuquerque. It's a little crowded in there with the old Indian, but <laughs> That's housing in California yeah. today, Jack. You know, when you're away from home nowadays, Fred, things are pretty tough. Travel is difficult, too. Now, take my case. I've just returned from a 32,000-mile trip overseas where I entertained thousands of men. I, uh, I, was, uh, I was waiting for that. I was wondering how you were going to work that in. I was just... <laughs> it was a thrilling trip, Fred. South America, Africa, Sicily, the boot of Italy. The heel finally reached the boot. <laughs> Fred, you're jealous, that's all I want. When I was in Egypt, I did a special show for King Tut. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. King Tut has been dead for 3,000 years. I know, he was a very tough audience. <laughs> and he still looks better than you do. <laughs> well, I wouldn't talk. Every time I look at your scalp, I think of that song, The Surrey with the Fringe on Top. <laughs> I don't get the connection, Fred. I drive an automobile. Well, all right. Sorry with the fringe on top, Maxwell with the jerk inside. What's the joke? <laughs> Lucky to you, Alan, that I don't understand that type of humor. You, uh, you don't understand my humor? Why, I remember you in vaudeville, Benny. The only reason you carried a fiddle was to beat off the audience. <laughs> Well, Fred, you never had to beat off an audience. For your first ten years in the theater, you did your act in the men's powder room. (laughs) And that reminds me, Benny, you still owe me 40 cents for towels, by the way. (laughs) 
Ah, those were the happy days, though. Fred, remember the time we played South Bend? Krauss and his mathematical cat were on the bill with us. Krauss with his mathematical yeah. cat. Remember the opening show? The cat had kittens on the stage, and we couldn't top it. Yeah. Funny, <laughs> too. You shouldn't have had any trouble with that puss of yours. See, I thought that would have been a yell. I did, too. Of course, seldom. Well, of course, has seen its best day. I did. <laughs> Say, Fred, will you ever forget Mrs. Swallow's boarding house in Baltimore? Oh, in Baltimore. I had a room, Jack, that was so small, the ceiling was so low, the mice had to run around on their hands and knees. <laughs> well, Fred, in your room, they had a prey for something to eat. <laughs> well, of course, in your room, they were sure of a crumb. They had a little... <laughs> tough in those days, Jack, but we didn't mind, did we? No, and I want to say right now, Fred, you were a real trooper. Now, that goes for you, too, Jack. You're the salt of the earth. Thanks, Fred. But really, you shouldn't admit it. I mean, even if it's Christmas, we we shouldn't be so friendly. Why not, Jack? Don't throw bouquets at me. Don't please my folks too much. Don't laugh at my jokes too much. People will say we're in love. Don't sigh and gaze at me. Are you swooning? Your sighs are so like mine. Your eyes mustn't glow like mine. People will say we're in love. Don't start collecting things. Give me my rose and my glove. Sweetheart, there's a spending thing. People will say we're in love. So in love. People will say. Well, fellas, on this command performance, we thought we'd take a little bit of the heart of every town and city in America and pass it on to you. This will be State Street in Chicago, where a loudspeaker full of Christmas carols fights the noise of traffic. And this will be the little towns up north where the night is cold and still and you can smell wood smoke and pine trees and hear a baby crying two blocks away. And this will be a ranch house in Wyoming and a coal miner's shack in West Virginia. An apartment on Knob Hill in San Francisco and a trailer camp in California. The cathedral in New York. The carols of Christmas are quiet and peaceful, but they ring louder than the guns of war. They outlive all men. They stay with the living and go along with the dead. They're endless. America is singing of Christmas, and command performance brings you home for the carols you've always loved. Francis and Ginny and Dinah are at the mic with the Ken Darby singers, especially for you. Thank you. 
brick church in your hometown. And the white snow lies deeply around it, and the trees are bare, but the sun is bright, and it kicks up little diamond flashes in the snow. Inside, the grown-ups and the kids are gathered for Christmas service. Mosaic windows let sunlight rainbow through to fall upon the congregation. Francis, will you do a bit of the carol they might be singing? Fellows all over the world have memories of bright Christmas mornings in that same little church, of stubbed faces and eyes shining with the excitement of new toys, and that's something that's in the air on every Christmas morn. And in memory of all that, won't you do a bit of Hark the Angels Sing? the land, you can hear them singing the song of peace-loving people of the United Nations who have no fear of the evil they are pledged to crush. For we are nations who find eternal strength in that eternal moment heralded by the carol that Dinah sings for you now.
Yes, we know Christmas has many memories. Little fir trees and strings of dime store lights that get all tangled up and you never can find the one bulb that's gone out. And even the happiest Christmas has a bit of tears and sadness, too. But everything that Christmas has always meant to us and will always mean to us is wrapped up in silent night. We three girls don't mind admitting from the very bottom of our hearts that it makes the little shiver stand on our, out on our arms to have the honor of joining with the many voices of the Ken Darby Singers and this big Air Force Orchestra in the carol that we hope to be singing with you next year at this time. Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us over here. God bless all of you over there. University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.